Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the radio in the home of the Raiders. That, of course, is Las Vegas on the bet in Las Vegas. So our radio listeners, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. If you don't subscribe to the podcast because you should listen to the radio once a week, but you can listen to the show all week long by subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your audio Just make sure you do that. We appreciate you being with us. Put on the auto download, by the way. And to our YouTube audience, hello. Thanks for joining us and for chatting live with us right next to this way on my other side where you can uh, chime in on your comments and you're never shy. So we appreciate that as well. Joining me as always is not my producer, David Stepanian, who you're seeing right now, but instead it is my (laughs) broadcast partner. Yes, uh, Scott has hit the wrong video switch. Uh, and there comes Mo Moten. Mo is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N and read his stuff, not just on the Raiders, but the all, all of the NFL. Also catch him live. I think the next two Mondays you're doing Bleacher Report live reports, aren't you? Yes, April 10th on my birthday and April 17th. I'll, be, I'll have two lives back to back. Wait a minute. Monday is your birthday? Yep, that's correct. Why did we not know when your birthday is? Because after the age of 30, you kind of hide from what the number really is. Okay. (laughs) And you know what? I'm glad you said that because I have to tell you, I run into people all the time and I know I'll sound like the old man saying, get off my lawn. But here's the deal. Especially younger people. It's my birthday week. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? birthday week not even as a kid did i have a birthday week why would somebody think that celebrating the birthday for a week is something people would want to do the only the only real positive i had growing up is sometimes my birthday would land on easter yeah so i would literally celebrate that whole weekend well that's so if it different was though easter, i was that's... you know it was it was one of the best birthdays where i i would have yes when it would land on easter my mine's often on thanksgiving which is fitting because i'm a turkey no uh because <laughs> It was always a long weekend. So that, I was like, oh, cool. I get the weekend of my birthday off. 
but you know it's like come on everybody's got to grow up sometime right doesn't mean you have to be old you mentally you stay young but you don't have to celebrate your birthday for 14 days folks you're scott, not that important scott you sound like old guy on my lawn mm, if you want to listen listen people before we get into Raiders talk if you want to celebrate your birthday for the entire <laughs> week if you want to celebrate for the entire month please do that because you never know when you're going to have another one. I mean, you do know when you're going to have another one, but you don't know if you're going to make it to that next birthday. So celebrate it for the month, for the week, for the year. Celebrate it. Go ahead. Have fun. Enjoy. Just celebrate the damn day and shut up. All right. Let's talk about football because <laughs> that's what we're actually here for. Not for Scott in his 50s to complain about people celebrating their birthdays for a long time. Uh, but we're coming back. We're talking about latest Raider news. And of course, Twitter nation and raider nation on twitter i should say excuse my my break in speech there um is is in an uproar again mo yes really? it's been a couple weeks it was there's a lull it was kind of quiet out there people were kind of in a pretty good mood right then suddenly uh-oh brian hoyer which you have oh, been talking gosh. about this show for a long time so now it's this Patriots West stuff. We're getting some people even who cover the NFL talking about how bad the Raiders are and then what are they doing. Um, and so the Brian Hoyer signing, you talked about it again on this show several times. Let's talk about this idea that people are wired. Oh, look, he's, they're going to suck. They're going to bring in all these old Patriots. And the Patriots haven't been very good very in the last few years, blah, 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 blah. But there is a method to the madness. I understand people aren't going to be pat. I understand people skeptical about just bringing in guys because they're pages. Oh, by the way, they signed Danny Amendola as a coach, too, for the Raiders, former Patriot. Um, but is that a problem? Do you think that these guys, and specifically Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, do you think that it's a problem? Brian Hoyer is a signing, and we'll get to him specifically because there's great reason for it. Um, and this whole Patriots West thing, is it unusual? Do, do new coaches that go to other, to go to teams that were with other NFL teams, not do the same thing? Well, how should fans feel about this Mo? I don't think it should move fans at all. The Brian mm. Hoyer, Brian Hoyer side doesn't change anything. Some people tweeted at me and asked, okay, Brian Hoyer is on the roster now. Does that mean we're not going to draft a quarterback? At all. And I'm and I'm saying, do you know how old Brian Hoyer is? Brian Hoyer is around, he may be a year older than me. <laughs> Brian Hoyer is <laughs> in his mid to late 30s. Like, he's not gonna play any meaningful snaps unless Jimmy G gets hurt. And and I know what you're thinking, Jimmy G does get hurt, so Brian Hoyer might play. But no, I actually think the Rays are still gonna draft the quarterback, and that mm -hmm. quarterback will get the snaps if Jimmy G gets hurt rather than before Brian Hoyer does. To me, Brian Hoyer is he's a basically a glorified coach on the staff. Because he's he's one or two years away from retirement anyway. The story that came out about him was that he he had a a part in the Patriots, one of the Patriots Super Bowl wins because he made defense. a call on the sideline, something like that with the defense. Yeah. And it's like, but did he throw a touchdown pass? Was he the guy? <laughs> did he did he have a Philly special? No. All his value is from the sideline as right. a mentor, as a young, as pr probably a soon to be coach on that staff behind Danny Amendola. His value is not on the field, and I think people should have saw this coming from a mile away. The minute the Patriots released Brian Hoyer, I mm. knew he was going to be a Raider just a matter of time. Well, and not only that, Mo, but you, you, we've talked about why Jimmy G was the signing, right? Knows the system. Brian mm. Hoyer knows the system perhaps as good as Tom Brady, not, not putting those two in the same picture, by the way. I'm just saying he was there so long, he knows the system. 
So if 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 Garoppolo gets hurt, or if you have a rookie in there and Garoppolo's focusing on first team snaps and has to worry about a game, you have Brian Hoyer there to teach the system to a young quarterback. So so I think people get all all riled up over oh here we go another Patriot, but it makes sense because we heard. We heard with Jason Fitz, right, when he was on the show, talking about how this system is very complex and you have to be very smart and understand it. Well, if you have a guy out there who's got that sort of experience, who knows it like the back of their hand, why wouldn't you do it? Now, you have that. Then you have all the other Patriots signings. But I think some of the criticism is unfair because you want guys that know your system. What else would you do if you didn't go get guys who knew the system? And who, by the way, it's a relationship business, no matter what anybody tells you. Um, they know the coach. They know the GM. It makes sense. The move just doesn't... Brian Horstein just doesn't move the needle for me either way. I don't mm -hmm. see why people are upset about it. Because as you said, he, he knows the system. He's obviously there to teach whoever the young quarterback is that the Raiders pick. Teach them the system, help them come along, help Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo when he, where he needs help. Yeah, that's all this is. And on the other side of the coin, for people to say, you know, Brian Hoyer is a great signing, and I'm like, yeah, he's he's great for behind the scenes stuff, the stuff that a lot of us don't care about or don't see anyway. But the man has thrown 17 passes in two years. Let's let's be real <laughs> about it. He's he's not he's not moving the needle here. You were still looking at whether the Rays are going to draft the quarterback in the first round or on day two or day three right now. Right. Yeah. And, and again, he comes at a good price. Uh, they sign him to a two year deal and that's, that's telling as well. I mean, look, <clears throat> I agree with you hundred percent. Now, the other thing we're hearing is of course, we're starting to see some of these reports about other people around the league criticizing the Raiders and saying, what are they doing? Uh, and then we're hearing a lot about why are they giving all these one year contracts, right? We've heard that this week has been a narrative which has popped up. Um, and again, I, I don't understand the concern with there because you are a team in transition, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, right? So you have to fill spots. You can't fill them all in one offseason. You just can't. You have to draft. You have to sign free agents. You have to do all that stuff. So the Raiders are now in the position to where they have to draft well. They have to draft kids on the defense. Um, this one-year contract criticism, what do you make of that? And the idea, I mean, would you rather give a guy – like you gave uh, Chandler Jones a three or four year contract and be stuck with it when you're ready to move on, when you get a young player two drafts from now, Mo, I don't understand the criticism with the one year contracts. I don't know why some people are acting brand new. Like they don't know what a rebuild looks like. Yeah. I know <laughs> Raider fans know what this looks like. They've been through this plenty oh. of times, but you've been through the cycle Raider fans. You know what this looks like, what a yeah. rebuild looks like. You sign a bunch of one year players, old, some of them older guys like John Jenkins, Mm -hmm. who are going to be there for maybe a year, if that, if they don't get cut out the training camp. And there's basically competition for the young guys that you're going to bring in. So you bring in these older veterans who know the system. They're the challenge. They're the test for the rookies that are coming in. If you could beat out this old veteran who knows the system, you deserve a spot in the roster. You deserve a spot in the rotation. If you can't beat this old veteran, this old veteran is going to get one last chance to get his last hurrah in the NFL. That's the way it works with these rebuilding schemes and plans. It's all you see this all over the league. Every year teams do this. This is not specific to this is not new for the Raiders to do it. I don't know why the criticism for the Raiders is so harsh because yeah. this is what most teams do during rebuilds. Yeah. Stop cap players. You spread out the, your cap space to fill in positions that you need help in. 
And again, you challenge your young players, whoever you're going to draft, those rookies, that's your competition. It's rookies versus vets in training camp for, for a lot of those spots on the defensive side right. of the ball. So again, guys like John Jenkins, if they're able to beat out a rookie, he gets one last year to just show what he can do as a vet. If he's not, if he can't beat out a rookie, then so be it. He gets cut, he moves on, he retires or whatever, and that rookie plays. And again, you want to keep flexibility, right? You you don't want to you don't want to tie yourself down to long term. I mean, even two or three year contracts with some guys, you don't want to do that because your long term plan clearly is to build through the draft. They've said that themselves, so I don't understand it either. And the criticisms there, I really believe it is denial. I believe there are some people, including in the media who are in denial that this team has that long to go, that they have to fill that many spots. So we'll see what happens there. But but yeah, I, I was just kind of like, why are, you, why are you upset about a one-year contract? Hey, if a guy plays out of his head on a one-year contract and makes himself more valuable, you could sign him again if you want. Or good for that player. They get to go move somewhere else and maybe get another big payday as the Raiders move on to a younger player and a lower price contract so they can actually build a long-term winner. Scott, they tried plan A, didn't work. They signed yes. Crosby and Renfro to these extensions. They brought in Chandler Jones on a multi-year deal. Of course, they signed. They traded for and extended Devontae Adams. We know he's great, but they went the multi-year contract route last offseason. It right. didn't work out, and now you have to rebuild. So what do you do during a rebuild? Cheap one-year deals. This is, again, this is not specific to the Raiders. This has been no. going on for, for decades. Teams. Yep. This is how teams rebuild their roster. It's good good business in the NFL. Okay, we're up against our first break here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Hello, Las Vegas. A couple things coming up. Next segment, we're going to get into some more of our draft preview. We're going to talk about some, some players that Mo and I both are really excited about in this draft. Very deep cornerback draft. Not a very deep safety draft, but there are some players there we can talk about. So we're going to get into cornerbacks and a little bit of safeties. And then in the last segment of today's show, as we always do this time of the week, we're going to get into our Raider Nation mailbag. So stay tuned for that. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Defense, that's the name of the game. The Raiders need more of it. The NFL draft is coming up. And in this segment of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas, we're going to talk cornerbacks and safeties, positions of need on this Raiders roster. Your hosts here, Scott Branson, along with Mo Moten. We are going to jump into this and get right to the heart of the matter. And Mo, I mean, there's no question the Raiders need help at cornerback. They need help at safety. We're going to start with the cornerbacks because 
I was talking to somebody on Twitter the other day. He was like, well, I'm not really impressed with the cornerbacks in this draft. And I was like, what? This is probably the best cornerback draft in a decade, really, when you go all the way through. And we're not going to touch on all of them, obviously, because we don't have the time to do it. But it is a deep draft, Mo. So you're not only going to be able to get impact guys in round one and round two, but going into rounds three and round four, you can find guys, too, that can make noise in the league and perhaps play themselves into a starting position on an NFL squad. I think as many as four or five cornerbacks can go in the first round this year. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot, but I think a handful could go in that on that day one. Some because you got to remember the wide receiver market exploded last year. So what do you do to counteract, you know, an explosion of wide receivers and wide receivers getting paid and wide receivers becoming a more important part of the offense now called a premium position? You got to get guys to cover them. So cornerback is going to be a really important spot, really important position this year's draft. I think a lot of teams are going to try to dip into the cornerback market and double dip. I think the Raiders should double dip into the cornerback pool. I think they should draft one on round one or two. And then circle back in round four or five and draft another high upside guy. But we'll get into the top guys today. I, if you watch my live on Monday, you already know one of the guys or two of the guys that I like. Oh yeah, and he actually ran, I believe, a four four two on Wednesday. <laughs> yes, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. Devin Witherspoon. He's, Raiders, he's, my, he's my number one too. I got him. I absolutely. He's, he's my number one. one. And I think the only knock against him is people will say, well, he's not the prototypical size because he's about six feet, about 181. Yeah. But you got to remember, these guys are in their early 20s. They're, they're going to hit the NFL weight room. They're going to oh. put on weight. They're going to put on yeah. some size. So I'm not really worried about his his frame right now. Yeah, they get that money, too, and they're going to be eating better. So better protein, yeah. everything, you name it. But let's look at that. What You look at Devin Witherspoon, and you think about it. You talked about he's not that big size that, that the NFL really looks for today. <laughs> Uh, but he is an absolute beast, Mo. You think about it. Um, he's what to me. If you look at how he's performed, and some of these numbers are eye popping, he's probably the best cornerback prospect I think in six to ten years. In fact, if you look at it, you look at what he was able to do last year. Targeted sixty-three times, yielded just twenty-two catches, had three interceptions, fourteen pass breakups. He held quarterbacks to a 25 passer rating. That's the same as if they spike the ball on every play, okay? So just to show you what a beast he is and what a player he is, whatever size he doesn't have, it doesn't matter because with his ability and his ball skills, he's able to get the job done. The other thing is, and I know this is not a big part of playing the cornerback position, but he could tackle very well. And I mentioned this on my live on Monday is that the Raiders have had issues, continuous issues with tackling angles, poor angles, whiffing on tackles, just put on a, just put on a game and watch Jonathan Abram and a couple of guys in the secondary over the past few years. And you'll see what I'm talking about, but Devin Witherspoon, his issue again is, is not issue, but the only knock against him is frame. He could tackle, he can cover, he he can play well in man or zone match coverage. So I I think as far as an all around, complete player i think he's worth he's gonna be i think he's definitely gonna be a top 10 pick it's just a matter of who he goes to i think other than the raiders i think the eagles would be interested in because darius slate getting up there in age james bradbury getting up there in age they may want a young number one cornerback and i think i think with a spoon could fit the bill there 
very early because people are, didn't talk about him a lot because he kind of came on his this past year. This past year doesn't yeah. have the name brand as a Joey Porter Jr. Right. Doesn't have the athletic profile of a Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, but he he just simply makes plays, and then you can't bet against a guy like that. Yeah, you you really can't. I mean, and remember too the remarkable thing when I was looking through all the different um, uh, scouting and publications on Devin Witherspoon is. He played all man. He played more man coverage than any other cornerback in the top 10 coming out in the draft. So, so this guy is, is the real deal. I mean, you, you want to talk about in the AFC West where you have wide receivers, you have, you have quarterbacks, and you have to really look at that. Um, the ability for him to play there is, is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one. I know um, I'm looking at your list because we, we exchanged lists, or I should say Mo sent me his list. I did not him send him mine. But we also have Cam Smith, who I have three behind Christian Gonzalez. But so let's talk about Cam Smith. I mean, here's another player um, that is is really somebody who can produce in the outside. He can also play in the slot. Um, he has the best, I think, pure ball skills in the draft. Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. And he's very instinctful as a cornerback. Yes, he's another guy that's not gonna blow you away with his frame. I believe he's also about six feet. Six foot, one eighty, one eighty something, and people want to say, well, "What's so special about him?" I think with cornerbacks and people get caught up in the physical profile. Oh, he's got to run a four three or a four four. He's got to have six interceptions, and he's got to have this and that. He's got to have two three years of production. And Cam Smith, to me, I think people are sleeping on him because I'm starting to mm-hmm. see him in the second round in some of these mock drafts. And I, and I remember coming into this off season. He was mocked mostly in the first round, a top 20, 25 pick. And now I'm seeing him slip a little bit. And I'm saying, if you know, don't sleep on this guy. He has the instincts. He, as you say, he has the ball production, too, over the years at South Carolina. I know South Carolina is not a powerhouse school. But I think people aren't giving Cam Smith his just due. I think part of it, again, is that physical profile. He's he's not someone who lit it up at the combine. He's not 6'2", 200 pounds. No. Like like a Christian again, like a Christian Gonzalez. People are fawning over, and I'm not trying to down Christian. I don't want people to listen to me and think that I'm downing or I'm tanking on Christian Gonzalez. But I think people fall too much in love with the physicals. People fall too much in love with the combine numbers, and they start to push guys who aren't these physical specimens down on the board and uplift these guys who lit it up at the combine, like Christian Gonzalez would or did, I should say. So again, yeah. I, I'm not down on Christian Gonzalez. I'm just a lot higher on Cam Smith than a lot of other people. Well, and we'll talk about Christian Gonzalez next because um, I want I want to mention that. But to your point about Cam Smith, he's not the guy who's going to, wow, look at this athleticism, but he just yeah. gets it done. I mean, you watch the film, th- and, and you're right. The fact that he might be dipping in some areas, this is a guy, like, if he falls, and I'm the Raiders, I'm grabbing him. Because he is a dog. He is an alpha male, too. He's a guy who works his tail off. And again, his football skills are remarkable. Again, he's not going to wow you. He's not the guy at the combine who's going to create a bunch of buzz. Uh, but he is good. And I talked about his ball skills. I think he's just phenomenal at that as well. And and versatility. And we talk about versatility. And I know you're saying you're not down on Christian Gonzalez. But I think that's one of his best attributes when you look at Gonzalez. He's great in coverage. He's versatile. He can excel in his own scheme even, even though he didn't have to play it that much in Oregon. Uh, He can play press man as well. What is it with Christian Gonzalez? I mean, he's been hyped up, so I get it. He might be 
a little overvalued for what he is, but he's got that size. He's kind of just the it guy right now. But Mo, his skill set, I think, is going to translate well into the NFL, where now you're seeing not only safeties, but also cornerbacks having to play a more versatile role in the defensive backfield. He He's the athletic 6'2", 200-pound cornerback yeah. that a lot of people are fawning over because he has the physical tools. As you say, he's versatile. He can play in zone and man. So you can move him around if you need to. I, I don't think he'll need to in the Raiders scheme because the Raiders just need a – they need a lead boundary cover man. And that's where they would stick him if they were to draft him at seven. So, again, I'm not saying Christian Gonzalez is not going to be a, a good NFL player. But I think people are, are knocking – like a guy like Devin Witherspoon for having one standout year in college. Well, Christian Gonzalez only really had one standout yeah, year one in too. college. Absolutely. You know, he had his foot. Now, it was a great standout year, four interceptions this past season at Oregon. But before that, he didn't have any picks before that. Right. So it, it's not like I, I don't think the the the, the levels with, between Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon or Gonzalez is way up here and Witherspoon is way down here. I, I just think it's a matter of what you're looking for. If you're looking for that physical specimen, then yeah, you're going to lean Gonzalez. But if you're looking for, I think, versatility, instincts, ball production, all wrapped in one with some with some good run defense. I know, run de- again, run defense is not an important thing for a cornerback. But you want your cornerback to be able to tackle because wide receiver catches the ball, you got to be able to bring them down. That's the other thing. You don't want to let you don't want to allow yards after the catch. Yep. And that's where I think tackling, I think people overlook tackling because if you have a cornerback who's afraid to tackle or can't tackle, and I'm not saying that's Christian Gonzalez, you're going to give up a lot of yards after the catch, and you're not going to have that problem with Devin Weatherspoon. Well, and quickly, the the one other guy, too, that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned him earlier, he's on your list, uh, is Joey Porter. Joey Porter was really a guy high on a lot of lists. He seems to have fallen off a little bit. Why? Why yep. is that, and why is he a guy – that perhaps Raider fans should get excited about should should the Raiders make him as a choice? I think a lot of people are worried about Joey Porter's hands. They say he could be handsy, but I think that's a common theme with a lot of cornerbacks in this draft. Mm-hmm. Witherspoon could be handsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gonzalez could be could, could be grabby at times. I, I think people are worried with Joey Porter that he could be too physical to a point where the things that weren't called in college are going to get called in the NFL and he's going to rack up a bunch of penalties and that's a problem on the outside because, you know, defensive pass interference is a big, huge penalty. You can give up 40, 50 yards just, just being too handy downfield. So I think that's the worry with Joey Porter. I wouldn't worry so much about it simply because I think he'll adjust well in the NFL level. He, one, he has the bloodlines. Obviously, his dad played linebacker. I know he's very physical, and, that's again, that's what people worry about with his hands. But I think he'll be able to adjust very, very well because he's a smart football player. Beyond the people are always going to say press man coverage, physical guy, but he's also a smart, high IQ football player, and I yeah. think he'll he'll get it once he gets to the pro level. Agree with you on that one. And I'm going to give you one surprise. You ready for this, Mo? A kid that I really like. He needs a little work, but if he's there um, and the Raiders can get him later on, I would. And that is Kelly Ringo out of Georgia. You talk about a freak of nature. Six two two fifteen four three speed. Now, struggles a little bit with the deep ball, which concerns me, but I think that size, uh, he's going to fall quite a bit in the draft. Um, he was ranked a little higher, but but he is a guy that, that I really like and that I think some, that you should keep an eye on because if he's there and available later on and falls precipitously like a lot of people think he would, I might take a risk on him. Ringo is an interesting case because coming into the offseason, he was a first. He was projected a first. Round Absolutely. People, and I think it's because people were very high on that Georgia defense and they expected, <laughs> you know, 
any name brand guy from that Georgia defense is going first round. And then when he started to dig into the film and started to look at some of the warts he had in his game, as you mentioned, the, the deep ball, then they're like, oh, maybe he's a second rounder. But I think there was another report, and I don't want to spread rumors, but there was another report out there saying that, you know, there were questions about is he coachable. And I, mm. I didn't I didn't pick that up from anywhere else. Uh, you know, you see and hear a bunch of things about prospects because teams may want a certain guy to fall. Yeah. I didn't see or I haven't heard any consistency with issues with him in coaching. So if you've heard that, I would dismiss it unless you hear from some of the, the big time reporters out there. Absolutely. All right. So there's cornerback. We're going to switch quickly to safety again, a much more shallow pool for safety. Mm -hmm. And on your list, Mo, you had one, you and I had one guy in common uh, and that was Jamie Robinson. Of course, Jamie Robinson ah. out of Florida state. Um, I, I like this guy because he's able to rush the passer, right? So he's, he's versatile, aggressive, and disruptive. So I think on a day two, Jamie Robinson is, is a perfect fit for that Raider defense. I like Jamie Robinson because I think he could do a lot of what Xavier McKinney did mm. under Patrick Graham when, in New York. Now, Jamie Robinson isn't as big as Xavier McKinney. I'm not no. saying they're the same in size, but I'm saying what their responsibilities and what they can do with the versatility play both safety positions and in the slot, you need a player like that on the back end. That's your glue guy. Jamie Robinson isn't going to go in the first round. Jamie Robinson is probably going to go late second, early third. Right. You know, so he's not the guy that you're, you're, you're drafting and saying, oh, that's an all-pro player. But I think he's the, he's the type of glue guy that you need in your secondary to plug holes wherever you need him. So if Nate Hobbs is playing on the outside, you stick Jamie Robinson into the slot. If a guy goes down at safety, either safety position, he could start at either safety position. He can line up in the box. I know he's a bit small, under six feet, about 190-something. But I think, again, once you get into the NFL facilities, you're going to bulk up. And it's about it's not so much about play strength as it – it's not so much about size as it is about play strength. Mm -hmm. You could be 5'11 and 195 and play a lot bigger than your size. You hear that about so many players, especially at the safety position. I think Absolutely. Jamie Robinson is one of those guys. All right, so let's get to – I'm going to go to one guy on your list that's not on mine, and we'll get to a couple because I have two guys that are pretty well talked about. You have some guys that are not um, or maybe not getting all the love that they should. Jordan Battle. Talk about Jordan Battle, why you have him on your list of three guys here the Raiders should consider. <laughs> I think the Raiders are going to draft one of those Bama safeties, either Jordan Battle or, or Branch. One of those guys Branch, is going to yep. be a Raider. I just I just have a feeling that one of the, they're going to draft one of those guys. And if I were to pick one of them, I would go with Jordan Battle because he's a bigger safety, about six feet over 200. Uh, Brian Branch is a smaller safety. So just to have that physical athlete on the back end, I think the Raiders need that. Um, just to complement what they have in Trayvon Merrick back there and Marcus Sepps, who I think is going to be the third safety. But I think with battle, he could be your box slot guy. So if you mm -hmm. don't draft the Jamie Robinson, who could play all these positions, then you can you could draft battle, and then he could play in the box, line up close to the line of scrimmage, or you could play in a slot and matchup. Now he, I think he needs to use his size a little bit more because he is a bigger he is a bigger safety, and I think yes. for his size, he should be a little, he could be a little more physical. But if you bring that out of him be a complete player on the back end right and i had brian branch on my list as does everybody because he's going to go very high in the draft but he's a pure high or split field uh safety right so so you talk about some of the differences there and i can see the differences because brian branch reminds me more of like a minka fitzpatrick right 
uh, that kind of player. He remind actually he reminds me a lot of him, I think, uh, on that. So so we'll have to see. The other guy I had too that you didn't have, and then we'll get to your your final selection there, which is Sidney Brown from Illinois. If you're going to take Witherspoon, why not take Brown? Now he's a single high guy, right? He's a single high animal. He plays cover one, cover three last year a lot. Um, what do you think of of Brown and making it just an all Illinois backfield? He's an interesting study because he has the ball production, but he has six interceptions this past season. But he played almost primarily in the box. He did so play he's in the a, box, yeah. He was a cover guy who played primarily in the box. So I'm wondering if the Rays were to draft him, it, he could be a matchup guy against tight ends and, run, and running backs, Travis or Kelsey, would they hello. play him? Or would they pay, play him at the D safety position, even though yeah. he played mostly in the box on the collegiate level? So I think you have to find out where does he fit in this defense because the weird thing is. And I know I don't want to talk about Marcus Epps too much, but Marcus Epps struggled in man coverage and he played mostly deep safety. Yeah. So if you're drafting, if you're raising, you're drafting a safety, I would want a guy who's better at coverage, mm. but maybe can play that deep safety role over Marcus Epps. So Sidney right. I, Brown maybe could be that guy. But it's, again, he's an interesting study because he primarily lined up in the box yeah. in college. So he did. All right, the last guy you had on your list for safety was J.L. Skinner. Mm -hmm. And I had him there because I think he could possibly fall to the third, fourth round because he, he I believe he suffered a pec injury. I believe he tore his pec and uh, couldn't perform the way he wanted to this offseason or showcase himself the way he wanted to this offseason. So I think he could slip a little bit, but he's about a six, he's about six, four. Two and change again. This is goes back to my point about Huge. why I would draft battles because I want I want a bigger safety back there simply because Merrick we, we Trayvon Merrick we talked about his issues in coverage, but he also struggled to tackle. He did. He so, didn't wrap up. No, he didn't wrap up. So, so there were instances where he was just a liability across the board, and I think you you want to if if Merrick doesn't take the step that we think he could take in his third year, you want a physical, athletic safety in the back end. I think JL Skinner could be that guy. Skinner's a beast, man. He does not. I mean, he even when beat, he will he'll bring the guy down. He'll tackle him and 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 wraps up really really well. Which you know, for young players, sometimes you see that might be the weakness, right? But in this case, mm -hmm. Skinner is one of those guys who who you don't have to worry about that. So that's good. All right, so there's your first view of cornerback and safety, two positions the Raiders got to consider. We gave you some names to consider there. You can go look them up, check them out. Uh, we hope you appreciated that one. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to get to your questions. That's right. It's time for the Raider Nation mailbag here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast heard also on the bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast also heard on the radio in Las Vegas on the bet Las Vegas. Thanks for listening to us there as well and watching us on YouTube. By the way, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Just search Silver and Black today. Hit subscribe. Put on the auto download. That way, every time we push a new show, guess what? You get it. Same goes for YouTube where you subscribe. And then you also have to do the extra step. Don't forget the extra step. You got to go the extra mile. Hit the notifications bell. That way, every time we have a new video, uh, you will be notified and you can join us. I am Scott Branson, your host, along with my co-host, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-U-N. That's Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully and the show, S-N-B Today. Thanks for being with us. This is the time of the show where we get to your mailbag questions. So here we go. 
Raider Nation is never shy. You ask, we answer. It's time for the Raider Nation mailbag. What's on your mind, fam? Drop us an email at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Now, it's your time to speak up. It is indeed your time to speak up. Although, Mo, our listeners speak up to us like all week long on Twitter, don't they? I mean... They're always coming to us with conversation, right? Well, I've been laying low on Twitter lately. You have when you you were sick. By the way, I had somebody a comment on YouTube. You guys are always sick. And I'm like, okay, in the last six months, we've both been sick twice. Mm-hmm. I had COVID once. You had a flu. You had something else. And I had a cold. I lost my voice. Yeah, you lost your voice. And literally in six years of doing this show... I've been sick like twice. And most of the time I was sick and still went on the air. Especially when I was on the radio in Vegas. I was doing daily show on Raider Nation Radio. And I would just go in and sound like that, right? Because that's that's what we do. We play hurt. Do we not? All the time. Right. But if you don't have a voice, it's hard to speak. Or if you're coughing like every three seconds, the last (coughs) thing (coughs) you guys want to hear is people coughing. But you know what the funny thing is, if we were to get on sick, people are like, oh, you guys are terrible today. Can't even hear you. One guy's <laughs> coughing all over the microphone. The other guy's eating cough drop. You know, yeah. you just you can't win either way. You, you, can. you just can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Especially when you get congested. I mean, it'll sound like this. And uh, hey, what's wrong with your voice? How do you do the show with a voice like this? Yeah, exactly. So that's right. Sorry, I was pressing my nose there. Now stuff's going to fall out of my nose. Uh, but anyway, you're back. We are here for your questions. That's right. We Mo and I love to get your questions. They start to filter it down a little bit now. I know they're going to gear up here in the next couple weeks uh, as we bring on some guests. we got a bunch of guests planned for you guys for the draft period, including Brian Baldinger, who'll be back with us here very shortly. We'll announce that pretty quickly. Uh, and others that will be joining us as well. Jordan Schultz is going to be with us, too. He's broken a lot of stories around the Raiders and player movement later. We're going to have him on as well. All right, Mo, you ready to get to these questions? I think so. You're right. I'm always, okay. always kind of hesitant with these, some of these questions. We, we've, had no date que- we've had no date or food questions for you recently, so I'm asking <sighs> listeners out there, please send your date and food questions no, you, for Mo. You, you really don't. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Remember though, now now that it's Midtown Mo, it's got to be you know the the, the girl's got to be a little a step up now. It's you know now he always had high standards, but now it's you know now she's got to have the right zip code. Got to be over one hundred and ten pounds, please. Yes, and that's that's Mo's zip code strategy. <laughs> he doesn't even ask. He doesn't even ask. Send the picture first. No, he says, "What zip code do you live in? Is it in Midtown?" Is it Upper East Side, Upper West Side? Where is it? That's what he wants to know. If okay. If you're from the Bronx, I need I need ID. You Bronx people. <laughs> I, I can't ID, take any chances with you Bronx people. ID and arrest records, if any. Because <laughs> you know, if it's if it's petty stuff, it's okay. You know, we all make mistakes when we're younger. It's good. Okay, we're gonna get into the questions now. Uh, here we go. Ramon in Las Vegas asks, "Hey guys, he's he wrote in a couple weeks ago, actually." Hey, guys, please tell me why in the hell we're signing all these Patriots guys. Brian Hoyer, will he even make the team? I don't want to become the Patriots West. That's Ramon in Las Vegas. Now, we talked about this in the first segment, but we will revisit it because Ramon's our guy and we want to answer his question. Why in the hell are they signing all these Patriots? 
Sorry, Ramon, but this is what happens during rebuilds. <laughs> Coaches bring in guys that they know. I mean, this is this is, and again, I I understand that not everyone's privy to what other teams do with their rebuilds, but this right. is what happens across the league. Head coach takes a new job. What does he do? He brings in his assistants from his previous spot. Jonathan Gannon did this, brought some filthy Eagles coaches to Arizona. What's the next thing that they do? They'll sign the, the veteran quarterback that was with the previous team. Shane Steichen with the Colts. He has Garner Minshew now. That's not mm -hmm. a coincidence. He's no, He knows Garner Minshew. Garner Minshew knows the offense. Now, people saying, well, Garner Minshew is much younger than Brian Hoyer, and I get that. But the, the, the Rays weren't going to bring in Bailey Zappi from the Patriots because obviously <laughs> Zappi got there afterward and the Patriots like Zappi. So remember when the first thing that one of the first things that Josh McDaniels did when he came to Las Vegas, what did he do? He brought over Jared Stidham. Like yeah. this happens all across the league. Coaches bringing guys they are familiar with, and it's going to go on and on and on. And that's actually you're going to see you, know, you, if you want to call it Patriots West, if you want to call it the Patriot way, whatever, it doesn't matter what it's called. It's called familiarity. You bring in who you know. Right. That's right. that's what's happening here. And and you know what? It's it's sort of even outside of football mode, it's human nature. We tend to go with things we know and trust. So if right. you had somebody else, I don't care if you own a, a car detailing business, you're a baker, <sighs> you're a writer, and you have to hire a staff, you're gonna go with people, men and women you know already, right? You know that you can trust them, you know that the kind of job, maybe they're not the best person, uh, the highest uh, class of person for your job even, but you know they can come in and play a role for you, especially if you need it at that point. And so I, I'm not surprised by it. I also don't understand. I think it's just the negativity that surrounds right now Josh McDaniels. Even though Josh McDaniels doesn't necessarily make the personnel decisions, he has influence there. And so I think some of the disappointment with the coach is coming out on this because if it wasn't from the Patriots and they signed a bunch of guys from the Texans and, uh, I don't know, another bad team, think of another bad team, um, the the the, the oh, Washington Commanders. Washington Commanders, thank you. Gosh, I was... Drawn the Cardinals. The Cardinals. So if they were signing all these guys from all these bad teams, people would be saying, why are we signing all these scrubs from these other teams? So th the point is, when you're in a rebuild, these types of signings are never going to get everybody excited. They're, you're not going to be pitching a tent because they signed uh, a 37-year-old quarterback as a backup, right? I get that. But to me, Ramon, it doesn't matter where they come from. It's just a midline player to fill a gap until they can fill it with a player who's better via the draft or free agency in the future. We, we've seen this before. Do you remember when Paul Gunther took over defensive coordinator position? Vontez Perfect. Vontez Perfect came along with him. Guys like Leon Hall, who at the yes. end of his, who was at the end of his career, came along with him. Mm -hmm. He brought a. a, a I don't want to say a slew, but he brought multiple guys over who were in their thirties, and 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 you and people weren't saying, "Well, is this the Cincinnati Bengals way? Is this the <laughs> Bengals way, or we want to call it?" No, Gus it was Bradley just, with all those charges. Right. He he brought in Brandy Brandon Faison. He, mm -hmm. he brought in guys that he knew. So this is this is a never ending cycle of bringing in who I'm comfortable with. It's just the fact that we put the Patriot Way brand on it, and everyone loses their mind. Right. Absolutely. No question. All right, so there you go. Ramon, thanks, man. We appreciate the question. All right, now we go to Phoenix, Arizona, and Derek. 
Uh, he says, hey, Scott and Mo, I know everyone thinks the Raiders are going to take a defensive player in the first round or a quarterback, but what about another offensive player? Don't you take the best player available and not just a player of need? What about Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver out of TCU, or Jackson Smith, Jigba out of Ohio State? Yes, we have Devontae Adams. If things work out where they're just uh, where it's just the best player available, wouldn't you take them, Derek, in Phoenix, Arizona? Mo, could the Raiders, depending if they trade down, who knows what they do, could they take a wide receiver in the first round, or is there just no way they do that? I have so many thoughts about this. This is a very good question, by the way. <laughs> it is a very good one. I'll start by I'll start. I have so many directions I can take this, but I'll start with this. If the Raiders draft a wide receiver in the first round, I'm gonna blow my gasket. <laughs> Just because let's let's be let's be honest here. A lot of people scream BPA, 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 yeah. no matter what. I'm gonna tell you a little secret. Beep when coaches and teams and general managers consider BPA, they do consider their roster voids and needs roster needs are part of evaluating the best player available believe it or not it's not yeah. just oh we'll just take the best player regardless of the position because the raiders have Devonte adams for now they have hunter renfro they signed jacoby myers they they have i believe they they're spending right now the third most cap space on their offense and the third fewest on their defense you don't need any more wide receivers i understand they brought in zay flowers for a visit i get that quentin johnson is out there i get it i get it there are some great good wide receivers in this draft but they have no business drafting wide receiver in the first round now could they draft an offensive tackle in the first round i wouldn't like that because i think jermaine luminar could be a starter in this league but i can see them drafting a darnell Wright out of tennessee and i know a lot of people had a problem with lance zerline who put out a, a mock draft i believe on tuesday no mm -hmm. on wednesday and he had the raiders taking darnell Wright out of tennessee I like Darnell Wright as a prospect. I think he's the best right tackle in this draft. That's why I wouldn't be upset about the pick. Mm -hmm. But again, as many of you know, I wrote a piece months ago that said Jermaine Luminar is going to be that guy. He's going to be a starting caliber player. Now, about, I think the Raiders are going to draft a defensive player, just putting that out there. But if they were yeah. to go offensive tackle, wouldn't like it, but I would understand if it's Darnell Wright. Knowing what's going on in the division, would you take Michael Mayer? No, simply because the tight end position is way low on the on the premium scale. I mean, if you get it, so so if let's say the Raiders hit on on a on on a tight end, how much does that help them in the grand scheme of things in their division when you have when you're facing Patrick Mahomes? I know I understand you're probably thinking you got to score a lot of points, but you got to be able to stop them sometime. You can't you can't go into a game thinking we got we got to score forty two points or we're gonna lose because our defense no, can't I, stop I, a nosebleed. And I agree with you in the first round. As much as I like May Michael Mayer, and not just because he went to Notre Dame, I think he's yeah, of course. he's the he's the next top tight end in the NFL. By the way, I really think he's going to do well. And then I look at the system and how they've used tight ends over the years, uh, and it makes me salivate for the Raiders because if they could have a player like that in a division where you already have Travis Kelsey, who I'm sure has a few great years left, but you know, at some point you're going to start to see a decline there as well. I mean, you did with Gonzalez and, and all the guys that were great at the position. Uh, so that's the only thing, but, but yes, I mean, again, you can score 30 points, but if the other team scores 32, you're going to be in trouble. So, so to, 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 to his point with the question uh, to Derek's point I get that, but you're right. I think you hit in on the key, which is best player available, BPA, uh, has to be factored in with your need. Yes, because 
you have to look at it this way. If you are stacked at one position mm-hmm. and you know you have these big gaping holes on the defensive side of the ball, you're not going to reach for a player. But if let's say if two players are 1A and 1B and one is an offensive player, one is a wide receiver, and one is a defensive end, but you have a way bigger needed defensive end, you're probably going to draft a defensive end. That's how it works. Yeah. This whole BPA fantasy about is always be- is best player available regardless of position is garbage. It's not true. <laughs> Don't believe in that. Don't believe in that narrative. As you can That's tell, Mo's not, 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 Mo's not passionate about that. All right, Derek in I'm, Phoenix. I'm just, I'm just sorry, but I'm just sick and tired <laughs> of the BPA argument. It's just so silly because mm-hmm. if you obviously have Patrick Mahomes on the Kansas City Chiefs and you're the Chiefs and you're on the board and the best player available is a quarterback, you're, you're obviously not, not drafting a quarterback. No. No. So you cannot not. tell me that it's strictly BPA regardless of position. You can't you tell go. me that. Derek Sorry. and Phoenix, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Keep writing in and keep listening and watching however you consume the show. All right. Our last question of the day says, Mo and Scott, the horse tooth jackass in Denver is <laughs> Now, this one came in on Wednesday, so that was news. Uh, that, of course, is John Elway, folks, in Denver. Um, I know they got Peyton for coach. But why does everyone slot Denver ahead of us in the AFC West right now? Uh, Thanks for the show and glad you're both over your bug. That's Leonardo in Laverne, California. Leonardo, Laverne, California. Thanks for writing in. Horse tooth jackass gone. Sean Payton. Why are the Broncos? Why? <laughs> I love our listeners. Why? They love the Broncos, don't they? Uh, why? <laughs> that horse tooth jackass is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, why <laughs> Mo's got to compose himself here. So I got to keep talking. Um, but you look at Denver, oh what they've gosh. done. I mean, they have Russell Wilson coming off his worst year ever. They have the new coach, Sean Payton, which obviously everybody's excited about. The guy's a winner. So you got to expect them to get better. Their defense is their defense has been good. Their offense now seemingly is going to get better. They, they think, um, why do people automatically consider that, uh, that team better than the Raiders already. I mean, if you look at the odds, Mo, the betting odds, it's not even close. The Raiders are far forth when it comes to the AFC West. I get it simply because anytime you add a Super Bowl winning head coach to the mix, that team is going to move up the Super Bowl odds and have way better odds than the Raiders. You, I mean, Raider fans out there, you you have low confidence in Josh McDaniels. So if you have low confidence in Josh McDaniels, <laughs> What do you think the media thinks of Josh McDaniels compared oh. to Sean Payton? Again, who's won a Super Bowl, has a winning record as a head coach. Just look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They added a Super Bowl winning head coach. What happened to them? Yep. They went from the basement playoffs. of the AFC South to the playoffs and winning a playoff game. So coaching matters. And Raider fans know this because they've said it to me on Twitter for years that coaching matters. It matters in this situation. Would you rather have Josh McDaniels or Sean Payton? Mm-hmm. No contest. Point yeah. blank, period. Yeah, no, it, that's that's a pretty easy equation to me, and I understand it. And plus, listen, I know Russell Wilson had a bad year, but nobody believes that he'll be as bad as he was last year, this year. I think with the coaching there, uh, with the, what they're going to put around him, and, and they improved the offensive line already there as well for him. So, so I think that there's going to be a rebound. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP quarterback. I'm just saying there's going to be a rebound. The Raiders get a new quarterback, even though it's Jimmy Garoppolo, who's has injury issues. I mean, you guys have told us all about this. So, so I look at that and I can see why 
they're there. And I know people, Raider fans, hate the fact that Justin Herbert and the Chargers get more due and they never end up seeming to come along. But they have gone to the playoffs and won a playoff game with him. So the, the reality is, if you look at the Raiders and where they're at and the fact that they're rebuilding, again, if you accept the fact that they're rebuilding, as we've talked about this entire show, um, they have to be last. They're, they're, the, the, they're the least complete team in the AFC West. Right, and everyone knows that the Raiders have big issues on the defensive side of the ball. Denver, typically, even though they haven't played well in recent years, people expect Denver's defense to be pretty good. And then, as I said, when you bring in an offensive-minded head coach who's won a Super Bowl, people are expecting Denver to be a lot better. They also had a splashier uh, free agency than the Raiders. So they had they brought yeah. in a, a guy named Zach Allen who follows Vance Joseph over from the Arizona Cardinals. So they made they also made bigger headline moves in free agency. It gives a lot of people confidence that the Broncos, again, could bounce back with some big-name players and, again, a Super Bowl-winning head coach joining that staff. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go, Leonardo. Thank you for your question. Keep the questions coming in again. You can to, uh, send us mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. You can also hit either one of us up on Twitter or the show on Twitter. Either way, in any way you want to do it, you can send us a question. And shout out to Leonardo for not being a complainer. See how he wished us well? Glad you guys are back and over the bug. He wasn't complaining. You guys are always sick. How about a get well soon? Thank you for being back. Thank you, Leonardo, yeah. for being yes. classy. You know, what's, you know what's interesting about that, though? And again, the, the gentleman who commented on YouTube with that, I don't hold any ill will towards you, and I'm not mad about it. We're joking about it here yeah. and all that stuff. But I will tell fun. you this. It's remarkable that, like, for example, during the offseason, the show is on less, right? And so I find it very interesting that people get so used to being with us on days of the week, especially on their commute in the morning, on the way to work or on the way home, on the train, the bus, the car, wherever it is, during their workout, as we see, uh, shout out to our guy out there, is, is, the, is the fact that they, they just get used to it. So when it's not there, and I totally understand that. Because when mm -hmm. I want to do something, like when I wake up on Sundays, the only day of the, the week, I still get an actual physical newspaper, which is terrible, by the way. There's not much in it. But anyway, I still get it. It's like a tradition. So when I go out and it's not there, I'm like, dude, I am rolling. I'm coming in. My wife's making coffee. And she's like, what's the matter? The freaking paper's not here. Okay, she says. And I'm like, no, the paper's not here. It's Sunday. <laughs> I sit in my pajama pants. I read the freaking paper and I drink coffee. So I get it. So when, when, when we're not there or we're sick or whatever, totally understand. I'm trying to put myself so, so in their shoes. We're a part of people's day or night yes. or evening. Or yes. Work shift, late work shift. Work yes, out we have a lot of those. Routine. Absolutely. So that's pretty, that's the positive side of it. And that's pretty cool. So yes. they're like, hey, we, it's, it's, a, it's a way of saying we missed you. Stop being sick. Get right. well soon. Get back on the air because we miss you. And I like that. Correct. I like that angle. Correct. I, I appreciate that. I just want to teach him to say, hey, we missed you. Instead of. You know what it's like? It's, like, it's like. You know how it's like? It's like, I, I hate. I'm not going to. I hope I'm not coming off as a sexist. But you know how they say it's hard <laughs> for women to apologize. So they say it in a certain way. Yeah. They don't say I'm sorry, but they try to do little things to mm. say that they're sorry. But they're not saying they're sorry. Yes. It's kind of the same thing here. They, they don't want to say they miss us. Right. But they'll say, hey, 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 stop taking hey, days where off. Where are you? Stop being yeah. sick. Where are you? Exactly. I'm not going to get all mushy, but we miss you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and they also usually don't realize that, like, this isn't our first job. 
right? So obviously we talk about Mo writing at Bleach Report. I have a job as well. And so we have other things that we do in addition to the writing, in addition to the podcast. Mo, by the way, plug in for Monday. So Easter is this Sunday. So happy Easter for those of you who celebrate. Happy Passover for this past Thursday to our Jewish friends out there. Um, and on the 10th, which is Mo's birthday, he's going to be doing a Bleacher Report live. Now, Mo, people, do they have to have the... I had somebody DM me the other day. Do they have to have the phone app to watch that? I watched it online on my laptop, actually, which means I, I couldn't chat with you, though, for some reason, But because I was going to give you some crap in there. Um, but But is it better on the app, on the phone, or is it better on the computer? It's easiest on the app on the phone. Because hey, if you've watched any of my lives, you'll see that I'm reading. I'm actually reading some of the comments As from the from the yeah from the chat room in the app. Yeah. So I'm reading that from directly from the app. Now, if you're on the computer, usually I try to tweet out the link on Twitter, so you could just click on that link, so that if you're on a desktop or if you're on a tablet or a mobile device, you can, you can get watch that way too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So cool. So check Mo out coming up this Monday, the tenth. And then we'll be back, of course, with another show on Tuesday uh, and a slew of shows coming up as well. Some special announcement on draft night. Mo will be busy writing his butt off. Um, I'm going to be on the Odyssey National podcast for the draft when the Raiders select. So make sure you tune in. We'll give you the details on that as they come up. And then we'll have our draft shows coming up draft week as well. I'm actually going to be on the road when we do those shows, so it'll be very interesting. But we're going to do those as well. Again, Brian Baldinger is coming back. Baldy's coming back, as well as Jordan Schultz and some other guests to talk about the NFL draft. Mo, as always, my man, it's great mixing it up, especially when we're not coughing through the show. Absolutely, and, I, and I'm pretty much over the bug now. It's just fatigue. Yes. So I'm, I, you yeah. know, I'm sleep. I'm sleeping 12, 14 hours a day, or trying to. Oh, dude. But uh, nice. I, I, to, to to the people out there. Mo will not be sick again for the next, uh, who knows, <laughs> maybe when I have kids and they carry germs. So, you know, as long as I'm a single man, I'll, I won't be sick. I yes, know. I know. That's why I have these bags and circles under my eyes, because even though <laughs> I got good sleep last week when I was sick, now I'm back in the grind and it's like, oh, oh boy. Anyway, Mo, my friend, I will talk to you soon. Of course. Appreciate it. All right. There you go. Uh, we appreciate you being with us again. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, do so wherever you get your audio, whether you just shout, hey, Alexa, silver and black today. You can do that on your Amazon device, whatever device you have. You can also find it in any place you get your podcast audio. We would appreciate a subscription and a download. If you listen to us on iTunes, go ahead and give us that five-star review. We're getting a lot more of them now. We appreciate you guys chiming in there and supporting the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscribe and the notifications bell. And then to our listeners on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas, thanks for being with us yet again. For our producer, David Stepanian, for my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Have a great weekend, everybody.